Perfect. Yeah, and just get comfortable. Sort of Listen. move it up. And, uh, actually, if you want to grab your books, that would be good. <laughs> Hi. Hey, I'm Django. Django. Hey, Django. I'm not going to be on the podcast this week, but I hope you guys have a lovely time talking about mostly comics that only I like. Um, but what if without you being here, it just turns into Grumpcast? Grumpcast? Yeah. A perfectly grump, grump, grumpable poco. I, uh, well, then I'm going to listen to it, and I'm going to get grumpy. Everybody who listens to it is going to get grumpy. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, no. What if it turns into shitcast? It's a shitcast, Randy. Well, listen, ah. we thought maybe for <laughs> once... I've been stabbed. Maybe we thought maybe... Two, for, Mike? Oh, right, we need the fucking table it's back, Django. Base. I know. I can't bring it on the bus. The only reason you can't do something, Django, is cowardice. And... He's got loads of these chock full of dust and cowardice. Guys, I'm a coward. I'm not going to be here for the next three episodes of this podcast. Uh, a perfectly wow. cowardly podcast. I had a really delicate speech way of bringing that up into the podcast for people, and now they're just going to be fucking emotionally broken by that. Uh, emotional spoilers. Oh, well, just uh, you can cut this out. This is raw, Daddy, and this is uncut. I don't Fuck want you to ever call me lot. raw, Daddy, again, and Max is outside. Get out of my house. Uh, I'll see you guys uh, in three weeks. Raw daddies, that's what they eat down in Louisiana, uh, right? Don't say raw daddies. I was telling you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my fans, that was Django Bourne, oh, no. frequent guest contributor on my podcast. Comics Podcast, episode 82, 82. from Woo. Bellingham, Washington, 82. incorporating that C word into our title for that search engine optimization. Let's, let's not call it the C word. Pack-cast. Pack-cast. It's my favorite C word. Comic, it is. It, the word is comic, word. okay. Although Roman <laughs> has been working real hard to make this Grumpcast, episode number one. But here <laughs> we are, God, he's so grumpy. extending a friendly arm well, down into the murky, the murky waters of Roman's brain. Hey, Roman, do you want to talk about it? What's up, bud? My hand's all wet with muck and murk. Why are you grumpy? Comic muck. Well, my name's Jeff, and I'm about to get Roman washed <laughs> off, cleaned up, and ready for Wash a me real off. happy Clean me evening. Wash me up. Clean me up. Oh, I forgot what it's called. Movie, and movie Pass. Oh, right. He's I'm mad them. at them. Oh, man. yeah. And who are you? Me? Oh, I'm Roman. Hey, <laughs> hi there. Wow, that was the grumpiest me I've ever heard. I know. He's trying to say he's not grumpy, but he sounds like a real Tyrannosaurus. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I, I'm, I'm Brayden, and I'm not, I'm not grumpy, but I'm slinging the guilt pretty hard. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> it's Guilty Grump Cast. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's going to be What's your night. G, Jeff? Um, you know what? I think we all see where this one's going. If it were up to me, it'd be goof cast. Oh, I was going to go with uh, gratuity. But yeah, oh. goof, goof is very good. Gratuity. Let me take my shirt off. That's not necessarily what I think that means. And but. sweat. Sure. And say bad words like shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This has got an explicit content warning, everybody. Gratuitous, uh, grumpy, guilt. Um, and I'd also like to add that uh, there's spoilers in it as well. Yeah. yeah. How spoilers. can you make them feel real guilty about that, Raiden? Um, you can feel guilty about uh, just listening to them anyway, even if uh, you haven't read it yet. 
I got to talk about one thing really importantly before we get out of here. What is it? And before we get out of here. It's about this guy? Or start this thing. Oh, well, Django's not here, everybody. Um, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Django's Captain gone. Dust Factory is not here. <laughs> guy. Um, I bought a cereal. And it is. Oh, we're on a we're on a serial cast again. Yeah, sorry, we got to look out for uh, one thing, one thing only. It's the Pack Cast Serial Spot mm-hmm. with uh, Jeff and Braden and Romstad. And what I got to talk about is Lucky Charms and Frosted Flakes in the same goddamn box. Ooh, wow! What does that make you feel? You know, I'm not a big fan of marshmallows. What in my cereal? But the cereal marshmallow is the, like, simply best marshmallow out there. It's dehydrated and it's, crunchy. It's a weird, chewy weirdness. That, uh, it's, okay. a, it's a texture that, that throws me every so time. So you're telling me that if you were eating a box of Lucky Charms, you would prefer the boring shapes? Um, I'd probably just prefer a different cereal, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm trying to create a world where you and I could sit and watch cartoons together. And what, I'm, I'm going to pick out the marshmallows and put them in your bowl? I wasn't fun. necessarily saying that you had to do the work. I was just trying to say we could create a composite cereal bowl. You mm. grumpy bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and now I feel guilty about implying that you would have done the work. Uh-huh, uh-huh. On this week's Grumpcast, <laughs> we are going to be talking about... Batman 47 is the first book we'll be talking about, followed by X-Men Red, number four, and then James Bond, The Body, number five, Superman Special, number one, but kind of... Not number one, because it's the end. Punisher, number 224. Uh, Infidel, number three. And Justice League, no, Justice, number two. And then we might talk about some other books and some or buckshot. We might, we might we even might drop not. some of those. Who knows? Like, who knows? Like, might anything could be swelled. Shots. Some guilty shots. Guilt yeah, shots. some guilt shots. We may talk about the comings and goings of our lives. You guys know what else is a, is a bummer in the world? Um, gosh. Murder and suicide and and time travel and resulting in spoilers, causes and effects of that. We got a good spoiler warning out there. I was transitioning to the depressing time loop of Batman, 45, 46, and 47. Uh, Yeah. We are killing it, boys. (laughs) Let's get this moving forward. This was such a great issue. I just read this like an hour ago. Did you like really? this I did, issue? I did. Yeah, it's I because it was kind of nihilistic and grumpy, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah and poor Booster. I mean, jeez. So you, you know, like Booster Gold. I do like Booster Gold. So that, that, that first page, well, not the, not the very first page, but the one after where you see Batman Those... and Catwoman standing next to each other, there's like a, a second where I thought like, like a, like a half second where I'm like, Oh, did things kind of turn out okay? And then immediately, oh no. <laughs> there was a really interesting time jump that went on there. Each of these issues have been separated by a single year. So this is the end of that Booster Gold series. We've talked about each of those issues because we talk about every issue of this comic because it's one of our favorite comics coming out right now. Um, but basically, Booster Gold went back in time to try and give Batman a gift for their wedding. And he was going to give Batman his parents back, so he canceled those guys from being murdered. And that created a parallel reality that he was in, in which Batman's parents were stayed alive. And as soon as Booster Gold went back to this reality and told him about that, Bruce, realizing his life is better in this world, kills the time machine that Booster was doing, using to do all of this, and it traps Booster in this reality, and uh, it was horrible and nightmarish, and at the end of the second issue, after recruiting an insane Catwoman, uh, all of this causes 
Batman to unfortunately witness his parents get absolutely murdered, absolutely murdered by Booster Gold and his associates. And we wake up here. It's Batman trying to use Skeets to go back in time a second time to stop Booster from killing his parents, but it causes them to actually go back to the original time that Bruce's parents were killed, back that Booster was at three years ago, like, this story and time time loops, but there's a really great shot of a malnourished Booster Gold in a cave with a huge big beard just losing his shit. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I mean, this Bruce Wayne has like kept Booster a captive for like a year. <laughs> It made me question, maybe I don't like Bruce Wayne that much when he's not Batman. <laughs> this guy's yeah, a no. jerk. Yeah, he's, well, he needs Batman to, to bring out his tender, nurturing side. I mean, he's always had issues, and this particular timeline, maybe he hasn't had an opportunity to explore those issues as thoroughly as he does, like, you know, through years of grieving over his parents and, like, saying what to do about it. So, at the end of this, basically, we have Booster witnesses right in front of him uh, Bruce Wayne shooting himself in the head because he realizes that he was just the cause of his parents being murdered when he was a child. Um, and it ends on the final Vis -vis page. time loops and nonsense. Exactly. The final page is the same image of the very first page of the first of these three issues, which was Booster Gold making the same disinterested face watching Hal Jordan kill himself by shooting himself in the head. And it is clear that he is pretty fucked up in the head at this point, and he's talking about trying to continuously clean the blood off of his glasses, and he can't do that. And that seems like a pretty strong... Yeah, and they don't, like, they don't say anything, like, they don't... No, they're just like, like, you're... Yeah, they don't say anything. Woof. Woof. Yeah, I've never... That's quite a... Quite a character development for Booster Gold, because he's always just been, you know, a dope and... Sometimes kind of dumb, and now yeah, you know, not, he's got some mental illness. I'm not sure he's ever like messed up this bad. Like yeah. he, we've always known, like he's kind of like a goofster, and uh, he he doesn't really know what he's doing. Yeah, but. It's Jeff's goofcast, so yeah, like, this, I, hey, I brought Booster down for this very reason. <laughs> this seems like a pretty clear sort of ideological lead-in or allusion to that Tom King PTSD crisis center book that he's been working on and, and talking about. Um, with like superheroes with PTSD. Oh, he had I'd... talked about writing this book like three or four months ago. So it's like a place in the DC universe for like heroes with PTSD, and uh, I can't wait to read that. And I, I feel like this is sort of meant as an, an ideological bridging the gap between, or, or you know, sort of justification for a series like that existing. Yeah, and I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, what a great idea. Yeah, I mean, all the hero. I mean. Punisher, Batman, Booster now. I mean, everybody. Spider-Man. Yeah. They've all got to have some PTSD at some level. Yeah. Squirrel's okay. Yeah, she's, she, like, she's well, she's never it. lost a fight, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe <laughs> if they just tried a little bit harder. Uh, what do you guys think about this book? This was amazing. I mean, the that page when, I mean, young Bruce is in the, al in the alley with his parents, and the only reason they cut down that alley, it turns out, is, be is because Thomas heard a commotion, which was... Future Bruce and Future Booster fighting on the rooftop. Wow. That, yeah. Jeez. That's that's horrible. That's the kind of like creating historical, like retconning historical events, but it doesn't cheapen anything. No. Like it just it 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 feels like that's there and that's real, and it, they don't need to actually change things. No, not at all. And just the the way it's drawn, the sequence, the panels flashing, you know, moving between Future Bruce and Young Bruce and their faces, the the. 
emotional turmoil that's quickly bubbling up there. And I think it highlights Tony Daniels' art that, like, that's he's drawing somebody separated by, like, 30 years, but mm-hmm. they look like the same face, like, flashing panel to panel, the same person, young and old, young and old. Yeah. yeah. I didn't notice this before uh, exactly, but they're, they're cutting back and forth between uh, Booster and... Uh, depressed old adult Bruce Wayne like arguing on the roof and shooting at each other and whatnot but they're cutting between that scene and Bruce walking home with his parents yeah and Bruce is talking at one point he says uh, the best part of the film was when the guy that they were that Zorro was beating up kept shouting quote God forgive me and it's like oh gosh I didn't I didn't quite uh, line that up with what else was going on but now that I'm looking at it again it's like oh gosh it's ugh. like cause yeah. that's what Kind of what Booster Gold is shouting, yeah. but just what a weird tone. I, I really like Tony Daniels' art. I I really like this. Uh, I'm gonna give the arc an eight and this issue an eight point. Oh, I'm not trying. I'm trying not to use decibels. I'm gonna give the arc an eight and this issue a nine. I think I'm gonna go with ten and ten. I don't think I disliked anything about it. Do you want to put like any big ass Maybe, sound? Do you want to throw anything on the ground? Well, no, let's 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 do let's do ten on this and a nine point five on the series. There was I think I had a hiccup here here and there maybe, but oh, last well, was about to tonally try and cause some guilt about you not giving it, but I realized that I'm not the guilt component. I'm the goof component. No, and I don't know how to slang guilt. So like I'm gonna try and yeah, guilt you on that. Trying to build me up for that. What goof? if we just slang guilt and grump at Django for not being here, and then when he listens to it, it'll be like a bomb that we've sent through time to him. Gosh, you know what would be really great? <sighs> There's not a great component on this podcast. Yeah, it's just grumps. It's just, it'd be guilt. great if Django was here because he's the fourth G. So great. He's so great. I think I might have to go with the ten and ten also. Oh my Cause fuck! Because yeah, I love this issue. I, I you know, I love it when we get into. Uh, the core of a person's, person's personality, what their biggest motivator is. Yeah, fucking Tom King, he, get, he gets into that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And this was so good. It was, every issue of this arc has been good. Every, every issue of this, this series for the last... Maybe 10, mm, 15 issues. Yeah, it's yeah. been great. <laughs> X-Men Red number four, Brayden's concerned. Oh. Brayden's, sta- Brayden's <laughs> staring off into space concerned about something. So let's just reel it back into X-Men number four. R- Brayden, look at me. Look at me, Brayden. <laughs> Get the guilt out of there. Let's talk about Honey Badger. Honey, uh, why you you? Um, this book is written it. by Tom Taylor and Mahmoud Asrar, uh, and colors by Beretto. Beretta. It's Brayden. Sorry, uh, Brayden. <laughs> Honey Badger is great. She is. And she's in this issue, and she's used like Deadpool and Rick Remender's Uncanny X Force run. She's like this perfect thing, person. That lays in the Wait. background and just says an amazing thing once in a while, and is never the highlight, never the focal point. But then they just jump in and say something perfect. What was she in X Force? Uh, she she is being used exactly like Deadpool was being used. Oh, in okay, 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 okay. So Honey Badger on this. If you're mm-hmm. not reading mm-hmm. X Men Red or uh, Tom Taylor's All New Wolverine run, Honey Honey Badger is a really ridiculous character. I was all about not yeah. caring about, and then uh, whoops, a daisies. All New Wolverine, yeah, that wrapped up this week too, and it was pretty good. But yeah, she, that last issue was very good. I liked it. I liked it. Um, yeah, Honey Badger is cool, but this one, this issue, uh, this was my pick of the week uh, because of uh, a different character. And, oh, uh, his name is uh, Namor. Uh, He's my favorite, and he say no more, Namor. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, you know, like say, uh, like 
Say no more. Say. It's it's pronounced Namor. Say no. Say no more. Say no more. <laughs> I got it. I think it's a, it's a good joke. Uh, Namor, cro- Namor's also awesome. Crikey! If, if you smell, if you spell his name backwards, look what you get. Uh, a backwards I'm, I'm not word looking at that. Count, yeah. <laughs> what, what we're looking at is Namor's. Abs and nipples. Abs and nipples. <laughs> I don't see Honey Badger in this comic. Oh, she's right there. She's in it left and right. She's the one who makes that awesome abs lantis pun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Namor, Namor had shown up in this series earlier. Issue one. But he was not shirtless because no. he was he was in a formal UN easy to forget bullshit uh, attire. But I really <laughs> like Cassandra Nova, and yeah, the, she's super scary. To the best of my knowledge, she has not really been used since Grant Morrison's X Men run. Not as far as I know, like. And this in, this issue introduced the like the fucking coolest concept to me, which. Uh, We've got Sentinels. Like, Sentinels are, like, the villains of the X-Men, and they have been since forever, and they're these cool, big old purple and pink robots. They walk through malls and, like, stomp on cars and stuff. It's so awesome, but it's hard to take that idea and repackage it in 2018 and make a big purple and pink robot uh, a threat. And what Tom Taylor's done is introduce a nanobite sentinel, basically, that attaches to the amygdala in your brain, which is the brain region that's responsible for sorting sorting all the sensory information that comes in and sort of processing it as positive or negative or pleasurable or bad or scary or good. And uh, it places, it, it gives them the ability to detect if somebody is a mutant and it fills them with hate for that thing. So... Wow. It's like a, they call them sentinites, and I would just like I read that and I was like, that is a really interesting way of using like creating a robot, but having a thirty years more advance on the on what you want to do with that robot. Like the world has evolved a lot in the last thirty years of storytelling, so just a big pink and purple robot is not necessarily scary, but a nanobite version that causes anybody to hate something so much. And if they are a mutant, even try and kill yourself. Like, that's crazy. Um, that being said, I do really love the giant pink and purple robots. Oh, no. They're the and coolest they, thing out there. And uh, thank, thank God uh, they've, uh, they've got one on a leash uh, helping them out. So, like, uh, a sentinel is on the team. And I want to say it's hard to make those robots scary. They have never, ever been less like they don't ever, they never depreciated in awesomeness to me. Mm. They are still mm. one of the coolest, iconic things in comic books. I just, yeah, I only wish I could hear them because their voices in the X Men animated series Autobots, roll out. Sure, mutant detected. Mutant detected. Uh, yeah, it was great. And fuck, I think the last issue had some more Sentinel action. Like, two of my favorite Marvel characters Sentinels and Namor. I don't, I don't ever get you. When I think I get you, you say something that makes me reframe and understand that I don't get you. Um, I I try to be as uh, enigmatic as possible. Enigmatic and elusive. Yeah. I hope you feel guilty about that. No, I hope you feel guilty for not knowing me. Oh fuck! <laughs> I feel bad. They 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 have uh, they get new outfits designed that are uh, specifically made to. Prevent sentinites from attacking them. But really, all they did was one thing. Yeah, they made Namor wear a shirt, but Gentle doesn't have to wear one. Yeah, all they did was effectively cover up Namor's body, which is stupid. Yes. Because everyone's body is showing a lot of skin. All they did was say, hey, you can't be so naked because it'll this these nanites will 
transport through the air and get in your your skin, Namor. Skin. Scales. <laughs> Scales. Did you get a? Did we get a score for that? No. Uh, I don't think you did. Eight, eight and a half out of ten. Did you score it? What'd I'm you going think? nine out of ten. Nine point five. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. I'm not using halves. Uh, oh well, that's your downfall, buddy. Wait, you gave it a nine last time. No, we gave it an eight. <sighs> for fuck's <Yeah>. sake. <laughs> Jesus. All right, moving on. James Bond, show me your body. Oh gosh. I didn't read you, but I would like to hear about the tattoos upon your body. James Bond is a man who uh, gets the job done at any cost. Uh, the The cost in this issue is uh, a heavy his cost body. to his his <laughs> his lungs and his body and uh, his bladder, um, and his. Uh, it's. It's a, it's a chase throughout a city. See, I haven't read these last two issues of this story. So you guys, uh, I really liked it leading up to then, but um, my life's been like falling apart and been way too busy in the last two weeks. So I've never been able to finish one of my stacks by the <laughs> podcast recording time. What? I thought you read the last issue or these, the one before that. I read the, the one before. All these no, issues are pretty yet. standalone and they have different artists right. on each one, although they, are, they all have threads that are... Uh, tying together, and, they, and I dig it, and I really liked the first four. But so, like, what was the thrust of this issue? So the thrust is he's it's a it's a chase scene. Like he's chasing someone through a city. There's this really great panel of him, like, knocks uh, a guy, he goes down this exit, and like chasing him down these stairs, and like following that was really, I thought, pretty well that, done. Yeah, that's actually really nice storytelling. But it's 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 as it's happening, James Bond is narrating like all these moments happening where he's like, oh, I. I might die here, like, this would, this could be a good death, but, like, is it what I deserve or something? And it's like, he's, I can't remember exactly how he puts it, but he's talking about it a lot, and, like, almost by the end of it, like, um, he gets in, like, a fist fight with the guy, and, like, a cop ends up, like, tasing him, and he's, like, pissed himself, like, unconscious on the ground, he's like, I could fucking die here, but he has to get back up and keep chasing the guy, and it's, it's just brutal, him just, like, getting destroyed throughout this issue and still going and him acknowledging that and acknowledging like that how he's like punishing himself but uh, he ultimately gets the guy in the end and you don't even know like if he if it really worked or not because he's supposed to get the guy into the river to stop the bomb from exploding that he got this is the bomb that the lady uh in like the second issue had talked about okay cool yeah apparently some criminal organization had figured out a way to undo whatever she did so um What's really interesting is you're talking about like his lungs being the body portion that's suffering in in this, and Alshkot has talked sort of about this series is mostly just sort of about the physical tolls and psychological tolls that being this person has, um, but most of the narration is broken up into like exhausted speech, like one like four word sentences, single sentences. There's not like paragraphs. It's a lot of like what you would say if you were running and had to catch your breath the whole time. Yeah, I was not reading it like that, but I am now, and it's, that totally makes sense. Like, so I like, just flipped through the whole thing, and it's, there are pages where like there a are sentence, paragraphs, yeah. but, like, they're all, like, an exhausted person trying to tell this story, and that makes sense if, if the thing is sort of about his lungs and running and being exhausted. Yeah, and he talks about, yeah, the laws of nature are not subject to forgiveness, and he keeps saying this could be a good death, and but not fitting or something. And it's 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 just really intense, and I I love it. It's an ex- it's this whole series has been a really interesting exploration of James Bond that I've never really uh, thought about or explored before, and I think Alice Scott is 
doing a phenomenal job with it. Moving on. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Eight out of ten. What? It wasn't my favorite issue of the series so far, but it was it was still a great issue. What's your favorite? Um, I think maybe the issue before it. Oh, that, oh yeah, that's because you're a, a, a little you're a lovebird. You like that, that yeah. lovey dovey stuff. Yeah, where he meets that woman, monster. Yeah. I know. I'm a I'm a I'm a romantic. <laughs> Roman. Tick. You I'm got a, Roman tick. Five elements of romance. Den of iniquity. <laughs> you're also five sevens of roman. You're five eighths of romantic. <laughs> God. Okay, let's just take a second to talk about the Punisher, written by Matt Rosenberg. Um, Lee Luridge is doing the colors, which I always like to see him do uh, stuff because he does the Deadly Class colors, and um, then Stefano Landini does the art in this issue. Which is not who's done the whole series. No, yeah. Clayton Crane also does the cover of Punisher holding a goddamn American flag, and it's pretty majestic. Uh, like, I really like covers with American flags on them for some reason, just because they're so, like, weirdly audacious. And, like, <laughs> those, like, Superman ones where he's, like, super beefed up with a fucking flag. It's just. Yeah. Like, they're silly, but I love So them. this book says Parental Advisory Teen. Whoa, what? No, it just says parental advisory. Yeah, yeah there's no it. teens in this book. It just says parental advisory, but there is a panel where Punisher War Machine puts a fist on a guy's head and just fucking shoots out the <laughs> back of his head. Yeah. And one where he, like, head first flies through a guy and cuts him in half. What the fuck <laughs> is this book? Brayden, you Come didn't on, like this as Frank. much as... Th- you're, you're the Punisher by Matt Rosenberg guy. Come on, Frank. What the Frank. fuck is this? Um, Frank's <laughs> back in New York. He he almost he almost started a nuclear war. He he killed a country, I think. Like He got listen, a I, farm. I was, I was breezing through those issues. He, I, don't, I guess he fucked off of that farm real quick. Yeah, but, well, that's uh, where he's going to retire at the end of this whole thing. He's never going to retire until... He's got to work for Galactus and then fucking Thanos. He's he's got his his whole uh, career path is. Uh... <laughs> Are you trying to guilt me? <laughs> you just missed something good, everybody. Um, he's gonna retire to that farm after his Galactus stint. No, he's gonna. He's never. He can't stop killing. So you didn't like this as much as the previous issues. Why? This one, Can you he's tell just me about that? well because it seemed to mostly just be him killing some bad guys, and that's something I'm less interested in. Like I, I don't know, I felt less uh, empathy for him because it seemed like he was just just killing folks for the fun of it, like not even trying to like like apprehend them or like put them in jail. Like, and I know that's like his thing, like killing the bad guys, but. How do you feel about Captain Marvel in this? Um, she, she was fine. She showed up. She fought Frank. Um, I don't. I I don't. You re, you read all of Secret Empire. What was what was Frank's role in all that? He sort of followed Captain America into doing some was, ultimately Hydra stuff. Was yeah. he tricked into doing that, or like was no? Or is it assumed I mean, that everyone was? No, or? they basically gave him the means to take out more criminals at a higher level. Okay. Which Captain Marvel brings up in this is, you're a traitor, you know, you you just went along with him because you're able to do more of what you enjoy doing. <laughs> yeah. Which to his mind, I'm sure he's like, well, that's my purpose now, so of course I didn't portray anything. You know, I was able to be more effective in my mission. So this, it's, an, it's an interesting argument. It's an interesting argument. This series is 
kind of fucking ridiculous to me. Oh, yeah. Um, and I I'm, like I'm, the I'm Hawkeye in... pizza stuff, but I also thought it was also dumb. It's all like, I guess I like how kind of dumb this book is. It's it, it, to me, is almost a dumb idea. Like, the Punisher and Iron Man armor, because fuck yeah. And it seems like a 16-year-old yeah, boy's fantasy. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed that in the last arc. Um, just kind of going buck wild with it. And it's like, Frank Castle doing his his thing because he has to do it despite I guess I liked that more not grounded in the Marvel universe like mm-hmm. he's just like over in other countries doing this stuff yeah. like it's basically Vietnam you know Frank Castle in a Punisher or Iron Man outfit in crazy countries that are run by terrorists like okay I'm down with that but when you bring it back to the to the states of like Captain America or Captain Marvel and Spider-Man all these people are against him and Captain Marvel's, like, really militant about it. Like, this person puts people in the grave, and we're done with it. And it's like, well, I don't like you guys, but I don't really like him either. My problem with the Punisher is that he's not a guy that I root for, and I also don't really care about his cause. And mm-hmm. in this, now we've got superheroes against him. And I'm like, well, I don't care about you guys, because, like, he's the protagonist of this book, so I'm trying to get behind him, but I can't. And now you guys want to fight him, and I can't get behind you. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm reading this book, so I don't feel bad about Frank Castle. And then now they're here making me feel bad about him. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, I want to, I don't know. I want to enjoy Frank. I mean, I don't want <laughs> to enjoy Frank doing his thing, but. He's just not a character but I even, care about. But even when he was doing his, this thing in this issue, like, uh, like I, I, I would have at least like some reason, like, oh, have these bad guys done something particularly bad recently? Yeah. Or like, he's just, he's just going to the bad guy hangouts and whoever's there, you're dead. Yeah, I don't care about that. Yeah. yeah, like before he had a whole mission and a cause, and like he was I stopping had, kids from getting I could, murdered. I could convince myself uh, that he was worth rooting for. This this didn't feel as fun. No, that's my yeah, my same. Yeah, at first I thought because Bullseye was there, he was just going specifically after Bullseye because he is a you know mass murderer and a psychopath and everything. Kills a guy but with no, he just happens to be there. Clips. So and says he kills Scourge, which you know nobody cares about Scourge. Uh, Colin Farrell. Bullseye, Colin yeah. Farrell, yeah, the, the Rhino quintessential. Also. I, I, what I want to see is a, oh geez, uh, Tom King written Punisher story because I want to get into that PTSD thing, and yeah, because if the Punisher, if Frank Castle doesn't have any guilt, then I mean, what's he doing on this podcast? Then, then he, then he's a psychopath, right? Yeah, because you know they don't, they don't, that part of their brain is switched off or whatever, and I don't. We've had stories where the Punisher has human emotion. <laughs> yeah, and why why care about him if he doesn't? Yeah. I give it a 6. I'm not I give it a 6 too. I'm not as well, I mean. Totally convinced that I'm no longer interested in this book, but um I'm getting there. I think I'm going to keep checking it out cuz it doesn't take too long to get through and it's visually interesting and it involves a lot of characters that are interesting, but it's more just like a curiosity in the corner of the world, but I'm not ever on his side. Hmm. Yeah, I think I will also give it a six because, yeah, the basic dumb, big dumb idea of the Punisher and Iron Man armor is pretty cool, but not when it gets too serious. Yeah, I'm like, it got too real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay, you can have that armor as long as you're staying out of New York, Frank. Um, and I think that on the topic of big old American flags and superheroes, it's time to shed a little bit of light on the Superman special that came out this week. What do you have your phone out? I was going to just sort of set a timer. To oh, okay. I thought you had of... some, like, 
some quote you were going to read to kick us off here. Yes, I wanted to express a quote um, by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <gasps> uh, something about speaking loud and walking with a big stick. Uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear. Exactly. So. Yellow lanterns. Yeah, I think the I thought the big stick one was Teddy Roosevelt. That was the joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only read the Mark Russell portion of this story. I only read the... the... Superman special number one. I uh, read all of it. By Tomasi Gleason, Russell Flynn, Godolowski, Hitch, Andrews, El Taub, and Sinclair. So Escape from Dinosaur Island. Jeff Jeff Woo. only read the Mark Russell story. Which I was, only read... Which was the Mark Russell story? The Peter Tomasi, Patrick Gleason story. Which one was that? And Roman, Roman of course, read, read all of it. Both of them. Yeah. I read them all. Mark Russell was the story with Brian Hitch art where he tries to save somebody oh, okay. and kind of fails and kind of succeeds. Are there three stories? I thought there were only two. The first one was very long. Yeah, I think it was just the two. Okay. Yeah. So Mark Russell had a story in Action Comics. He had a story in yeah, Superman. I want to read that one. Which one did you like more? Um, This one. Okay. And I didn't particularly care for either. Oh. I know Django liked the last one, I think. It's a really interesting voice for Superman, and in the Mark Russell one in this story, basically a, a building is blowing up or falling down, and somebody is in their building dying, and he has to fly in really, really fast before everything collapses to save the person, and he saves them and gets them out, and the person is sort of unrealistically like, go back in and get my pictures. I need my pictures of my relationships. I'm going to lose my brain, and they're the only thing I have left of my memory. So he flies in to try and get him, but then he hears that a dog is dying, so he flies and saves the dog, and the building falls down on him, and then he gets up, and he has saved the dog, and the person's like, did you get my pictures? And he's like, I didn't get your pictures. All you need is your memories to feel okay. We are living embodiments of our memories. Go. And that's my belief. Like, I believe in not having pictures because we are the sort of living embodiment of our memories. And as long as we are being true to ourselves, we're embodying those memories. But, like, Superman, to me, exists as a, a thing to hope for that's better than ourselves. So, like, to me, my personal Superman would have saved the dog and gotten the pictures. And it seems like why tell the story if all he's doing is like letting somebody down and then telling them what they should believe. Yeah, it's also not very Superman. Yeah. They're 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 probably pretty old. They can't remember that shit. Exactly. That's why they have pictures. That's, that, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, the guy developing Alzheimer's is, yeah. the, is the implication here. Why don't you just fucking cure him he's with not your super remember Kryptonian science, yeah. Superman? Yeah, yeah. Or the Amazonian purple ray. We don't have Superman yeah. to be a guy who saves a dog and then tells people to be like the him. He says, yeah. I'm going to be the best living example of how a person can be, and you can choose to follow me and be like me if you want. Is it a good That's dog? Superman. Right. We don't even know if it's a it, good it dog. It seems like a good dog. Do we see it? But yeah, that was, that was insulting. What do you mean we don't know if it's a good Alzheimer's. dog? Yeah. It's like, oh, you just live your memories. Well, you can't if your memories are gone. Jeff, it's a great dog. Hey, Brayden. Did you read the fucking issue? Look Did you read the is. fucking story? <laughs> I read Do you the know panel. What that dog embodiment. I read the panel where Superman holds up a dog and it says "woof." Yeah, well, that dog is the embodiment of disappointment for somebody who has <laughs> fucking dementia, and that th that dog is the embodiment of Superman failing. Though, but on, though on the other side, he does woof good. We got a dog. He's woof good, and he does a little chew here. I think he sneezes. Well, that's Sneezes. Pikachu. Mm -hmm. Though, though on the other side of the argument, I mean. It has been proven the benefits of having a companion animal for, you know, sick people, old people. Does he give the people. dog to the person at the he end? He does. He gives That's the dog good. to the old man. Oh, and there was a third story. You're right. 
There Jeff, is? Yeah. you lied to me. Oh, yeah, there is the third story. With, Ian um, Flynn, the writer of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, really? Writing both the blue blurs. You know what's so weird about it is that they just end this, the third short story, just eating a bunch of fucking chili dogs. Yeah, and Knuckles shows up. <laughs> uh, Carrie Andrews did the art in the third story, actually. I wanted to read that one and did not. My favorite part of that was the pow when, it's, when Superman clocks that guy. and Yeah, you get that nice butt shot. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so, is that Ghost Rider? So I like the Mark Russell, oh. but I'm I was in both Superman issues. I have been pretty disappointed in his understanding of Superman. I liked the other. What was the other story again? It's like when he's up in front of the, Ghost of Washington. the yeah the Washington correspondence dinner, and he kind of says a bunch of like bad jokes that are almost a little bit mean spirited. Oh yeah, that wasn't very good. Was it, it? wasn't very no. Superman-y. Like Mark Russell is very good at biting satire. It wasn't very. You're Superman. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, and and I and I agree. But Mark <laughs> Russell is fantastic at writing biting, you know, satire. I don't think that Superman yeah. is a character that belongs in that conversation. Like, don't use the thing that represents extreme positivity and like I, you know, a thing to aspire to, to for jokes. I don't know. I don't. I like Mark Russell. That's why I read this short was because I wanted to see what he's doing. But I, I don't know that Superman is necessarily the best utilized character for his type of writing humor. Snagglepuss is amazing though. Well, and that. I think yeah, for sure. Um, I think yeah. you would really like the first one. Actually, it was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought that was very sweet. Well, no, I'm I'm looking at it, and it, I think I would really like it. I love Tomasi and Gleason. Um, I love the New Frontier, and this hall all harkens back is that okay. love letter to New Frontier. Man, yeah, I wish, I wish it was drawn by Patrick Gleason, but oh, it's not Gleason. No, he's he's uh, he's been a he's just been co-writer credit okay. for most of the series. Um, there's a pretty good nip shot on Mr. Storm <laughs> as well when he's shooting oh, yeah, the dinosaur. <laughs> like it's just very. Kind of like at the center of the page. Yeah. Your eye kind of goes right to it. And the areola is drawn lighter than the breast. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> that's clearly not the focus of this picture. There's a big giant dinosaur and but, other ones that he's shooting at, but, but like when, all I can see is this nipple. When they made his uh, pectoral darker than his areola, they made it the, the focal point of that page. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice. That and his fucking knee bursting out of the torn yeah. pants of his right right leg. And his And his... Prosthetic Neo on the other side. Boy, this is a conversation I never have, thought I'd have about Captain Storm. <laughs> I give um, the Mark Russell story a six. I think the Brian Hitch art is terrible because I don't like Brian Hitch's art. Um, it's blocky and everything looks the same. I don't like Brian Hitch's art. Um, and I don't think the writing was super poorly done, but I don't like the argument like, that's not my Superman, so it's not good. Um, so, you know, I, I give the writing, I, I give it a six. I don't think anything was super poorly done, but I didn't love the characterization of Superman. I didn't love the art at all, so. I did like that dog who says woof, though. Woof. <laughs> I, I give the, uh, the Peter Tomasi, Patrick Cleason story, uh, seven and a half. I thought it was a nice wrap-up, um, I would love to see another uh, Pete Tomasi, Patrick Gleason book with Patrick Gleason actually drawing it all the way through, but I've kind of given up hope on that. Um, Roman, what do you give the entire book and each oh, individual man. story? Oh, man. Uh, the, each indiv- First, and the entire series. 
We oh didn't do God. that, but you oh have to. Oh, my God. Um, and Superman for the last, like, 75 years. Um, I give the first story, I'll give that an eight. I really like that. Plus, I love it when we get uh, old Silver nipples. Age characters. Old <laughs> Silver characters Nips. Back in a modern time. Silver dollar nipple slips. Because, you know, this this guy's basically the Nick Fury from the Marvel or yeah, DC Universe. Yeah, definitely. Um, so he doesn't head up a super spy organization. He'll get there. He'll, yeah, he'll get there. He's got the eye patch, but it's on the other eye. Um, That's yeah, true. Yeah, the middle story, the Mark Russell one, eh, the big the big crawdad, the giant crawdad was cool. It was a crawdaddy? Roman, Jenga wanted me to make sure that we called it a, a raw daddy. A raw daddy, yep. Um, and yeah, the insulting thing with the Alzheimer's guy at the end. Sheesh. And the last, oh, did I give it a score? I'll give the Mark Russell a five. <gasps> what do you give the final one? What do you know about that final story? Yeah, what happens with that? Um, Wait, is it? It's about the atomic oh, skull. That's right. that's why he's an ex-Superman villain who's signed up, been actually been conscripted into right. the Metropolis, the SCU unit, uh, to help them with crimes and try and alleviate some of his sentences. Um, he's trying to impress Superman that he can do good again. Um there's a big fight with another even lamer Superman villain who I don't even remember his name. Um, and yeah, they beat that guy and Superman says, eh, you're doing good. You'll, you'll, you'll do good. But it looks like Thomas Cole has gained a power at the end, some kind of electrical power. Some kind of Doctor Strange portal opening power. Yeah, yeah. And it says not the end at the end. Yeah, same so with... It's foreshadowing. I think the the... Lisa and Tomasi's story also says never the end. What does it say on the Mark oh, Russell right. one? <laughs> um, does that one have an end? What does it say there? It says the end. Uh-huh. Mark <laughs> Russell, not on the... Didn't get the memo, I guess. Yeah, yeah he means the end for that poor old Alzheimer's guy. Yeah. Um, oof. <laughs> but the other ones... The Atomic Skull story, I, I don't know. I'll give that like... I'll give that a six just for the Kari Andrews art. And the Atomic Skull is kind of cool. I mean... Skull, skull characters with flaming energy skulls, whatever. They're all cool. What about Red Skull who doesn't have flaming energy See, around his skull? See, he's not as cool because he doesn't have any coruscating thing going on around his head. I agree. And since I was a little kid, I've been wondering, like, what is your head? Are you an exposed skull or not? Yeah, it's just a mask with weird protuberances. You put a bunch of coruscating energy around it, it seems like it belongs. Yeah, and you've like, got the blazing skull from the Golden Age. In the, in the movie... you got the atomic skull. It was a mask, but then he takes it off and it isn't a mask? Is that what it was? I can't remember that movie, but... No, I think that it was that his face was a mask and then he takes it off because he's just a big old red skull. Hmm. More like a gnome skull. <laughs> Whoa! Um, Roman has just suggested something buckshot wild. Buckshot I, wild. I, I, I'm, not, I'm still not sure I can conceive of it. <laughs> think, think about Phil. Phil's going to be so uncomfortable by oh, this Oh, I don't want to make idea. Phil uncomfortable. Well, then you got to decide. Do you want to oh, make Phil crap. uncomfortable and do your idea, or do you want to make Phil comfortable and not do your idea? I think Phil's going to be a little uncomfortable, but he'll get behind it eventually. He'll get That's behind true. it. I think, I think it's good to innovate. All right, so this is Roman pushing Phil forward. Uh, do you want to tell everybody your idea? My idea is we're going to shake things up. We're going to talk about infidel and no justice, and then, then we're going to do buckshots. We're going to Whoa. finish this thing off with the buckshot. We're going to yeah. we're gonna fire our shotguns into the air and let the pellets rain down beside us as we sign <laughs> off into oblivion. Ding, 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 ding. Oof. 
I think we can do it. Brayden just barked like a dog. Woof. Infidel, number <laughs> three by Pornsock Mishichot and, gosh, the, I always forget the artist's name. Aaron Campbell, colorist Jose Verrubia. Um, Brayden, are you reading this? Uh, I read the first two. Uh, we sold out of this one pretty... Well, we almost sold out of it really quick, yeah. so I didn't, haven't grab, grabbed one yet. So issue two ended with our protagonist um, being spooked or possessed by the spirit of the place in which they're living and causing her to push or scare the, the grandmother and her stepdaughter down the stairs. It caused the grandmother to die. It caused the daughter to be put into a coma, and it caused her to be put into a coma. And this whole issue pretty much follows up with everyone that knows them discussing what happened and what's gone on. And one of the tenants in the apartment with which uh, they all live in this horror book, Infidel, um, which is a book based on an evil spirit that feeds off xenophobia, um, somebody saw our protagonist push the two people down the stairs, or that's how it looked, because this spirit sort of jumped out behind her and caused it to happen. And ultimately what happened is it causes a super fascinating conversation about racism between all of the people that know them. Um, And it seems like all of the five friends of the protagonist who's uh, a woman and Muslim, uh, and so they're sort of concerned she's a terrorist, but also the people talking about it... um, are all varying levels of a minority in in and of themselves. Um, We have, yeah, uh, two Asian Americans, one's female, just a sort of white feminine looking guy. And it is a really complex and I think progressive conversation about race and how much of our own thought processes and uh, ideas are racially bound or culturally bound. I don't know. It, it's the type of conversation that would almost feel uh, heavy-handed or uncomfortable if it was like a sort of white privileged dude writing it. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know, Roman. What was your read on this book? Um, it was yeah. It was fascinating. It wasn't as quite as well. It, it was scary in a different way than the previous issues, just because you know focusing on the issues of racism and. Oh, when after one conversation between two of the guys and this one woman who lives in the building, um, when the two guys are down in the basement later and they're talking about that conversation, and they mentioned that the Asian American woman, when she said, "Did you catch how she said those people?" And it's just interesting observations they all make about each other and themselves. And when what's let me see, when Medina Medina. Not yeah, sure. Medina. Medina. When she confronts the woman downstairs who accused her friend of pushing the grandmother and, and her stepdaughter down the stairs, um, when she confronts her, that's, that's scary and fascinating. Because um, the person who accuses her of having pushed the people um, is just a sort of hetero, white, privileged woman, it seems like. Right, yeah, it seems. So... So it causes us to question what she's seen and what she believes. Um, Everybody is either subject to some subjective bias or talks about being bound by some of their own bias. And 
I don't know. It, it just it shows both side of when you're afraid to confirm a racial bias or when you're confirmed right, afraid to call somebody out. Um, it's it's really nuanced and sophisticated and is not an easy conversation yeah. to have. Yeah, and that and that matter of fear being at the root of it, and especially because this woman lived in the building almost underneath where the bombs and and previous the previous year or whatever went off. So and we don't know how much of the fear and trauma of those bombs going off is influencing her judgment of what she saw. How much was already there in her, you know, persona? Oh, and then of course the one big scare moment of the issue happens when Medina sees what her friend has seen and and I guess it was sort of nice that other people have seen this supernatural force. And it's it's nice and it's also not nice. It sort of grounds it in a supernatural thing, which a lot of this is so subjective yeah. and subtle and nuanced that um, it's almost its own horror story of in, a, in and of itself. The horror spiritual aspect is almost a grounding element. Like, Yeah, though I like the way that this the evil, the, the spirits or whatever, or spirit, are revealing themselves because it seems to be doing it at all these, these exact moments to make the person who reveals it to and the person reacts. If somebody sees that, they just think this person's having a breakdown and yeah. it casts all these doubt and aspersions on these people and no one suspects it. So, well, no, it's actually some kind of supernatural force here. Oh, and I forgot about the neighbor dude, the old white dude that's paranoid, um, um, his apartment's a hoarder's thing, and he's worried about guns. He's got guns stockpiled, and he's afraid of everybody that isn't a white dude like himself. He's got all these, like, <laughs> blood-made Enochian occultist symbols in the foundation of the house to protect them. Yeah, yeah, and mm. you don't know, is he part of this evil, or is he going to be, is he suspect the evil's here, and he's trying to pr- protect himself against it? Oh, jeez. I guess, like, I really liked how sort of dirty of a conversation about race it is and and dirty used to say, like, no one is totally clean in this conversation. Like, we're all raised in an environment that is inherently subject to a lot of racism and cultural things that happened a long time ago that we're still working our way through. And I think to be a part of that discussion is to admit your own shortcomings and allow other people to admit their shortcomings and it's not clean and it's not like no one is guilt free. This is maybe the finest example in a single issue of a comic book to have a conversation about that issue. Yeah. It's, it's so impressive and unexpected of, of this series. Um, because yeah, this is the deepest conversation I've read in a comic book about, about race. And to have it like packaged as a horror comic book, I think works in the, works in its favor. Yeah. It adds to the complexity of it because it's just a sort of different look at the same construct. So um, I think this is going to be a really really good paperback. If you liked Witches by Scott Snyder and Jock, I think you would really like this book, and I think it's done even better. And it has the benefit of having a conversation about race, which I think everyone needs to at this point. Yeah, and it's interesting that this spirit, whatever it is, the evil. When it shows up, it's, I don't know if anyone can hear this or if, you, if this is just something that people that see this experience this in their heads or what, but it's all these horrible derogatory terms, 
that come along with this face or in the previous issue was like a twisted, gnarled, naked old man, but he, but he was like bent in ways the human body doesn't bend. Right. And it's such, among other things, it's such a good metaphor for hate, a visual metaphor for that. And the covers are so horrible and beautiful. I'll give it a 10. Wow. And, and this book is just so impressive. We are dropping perfect 10 logs left and right in this <laughs> dog yard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a metaphor. That's a metaphor. It's my favorite, mostly favorite metaphor this week. Um, uh, yuck. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, and yuck is the perfect transitory word to know justice number two. I know I know that Brayden understands that reference. Why is yuck the perfect transitory word to know justice number two? Brayden Smith. Because... Uh, <laughs> Beast Boy's got to get yucky. Yeah, he has to get yucky. He's got to grow up and get his yuck fits in order. I I, I don't know if you were actually leading me into something there or not. I, I, I was just, not, but you I did a great job Beast of Boy's, doing it. He's green, and, and Lobo says, hey, Beast Boy, you're not turning into big enough Bastage, Bastitch, Bastitch, Yeah, You're not Bastage big enough Bastitch because that was a word I used in the 90s, Bastitch. So Scott Snyder, Bastitch, has to say Bastitch because that's what Lobo says, Bastitch. Are you... Are you bastarding on Lobo right now? I fucking hate that they've created vernacular oh, words. Oh, God, I was so worried you were going to say I fucking hate Lobo. No, I think Lobo is great, but I think that he can grow beyond his trademark phrases. Like, mm, we I'm get sure it. Can. Scott, you read Lobo comics. You're, we, no one's questioning Well, it, the your, funny thing is, it wasn't Scott's call. The editor actually added all those passages in. I love that about this. You're right. I forgot about that. That editor is the biggest Lobo fan. Classic oh my Lobo. Gosh. Yeah, classic Lobo. Um, no, Justice League: No Justice Number Two by uh, Scott Snyder uh, and some other folks whose name are somewhere here in this comic. I'm sure. Jimmy T. I. V. Joshua Williamson and Francis Manipal did most of the art, except for some Marcus Toe work. Toe work? What do you have done? <laughs> hey. Um. This the last time. Last time. Last time Justice we League talked no about Justice. No Justice Number One, you weren't here. I wasn't here. And I voiced your opinions about it, which were that you thought it was fine, your favorite part was Starro, and you felt like you were kind of just like swallowing a lot of pills ultimately to be able to be enjoying this ride. Like, yeah, yeah I'll take that to be a part of this. Like, I, I get a headache, I might pop an ibuprofen or two, yeah. like, and they make everything better. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think this is uh, this is a lot going on. And I uh, I don't particularly care for trying to figure where I'm at, like every other page. Um, but I I think all these characters' voices are pretty good, and like I'm I like hearing them all talk and try to figure out problems together. I guess that's my big appeal of this as well. Like I'm just glad that there's a book that's putting all of these characters together and creating a reason that is logical enough to warrant all of them being together. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the downside is that every couple of pages I'm like, all right, Scott, if if what we need to do to get all of this together is believe that for some reason all of the heroes are unconscious on Earth right now in red test tubes, like nothing has backed that up or told me why that mm -hmm. makes sense, but I will believe that so that Green Arrow can be with big mean suicide squad lady yeah how did how did green arrow get out of his tube yeah why wasn't he in a tube did, i totally agree did Bra i was did brainiac put them in these tubes and did he not 
Was he like, Green Arrow? There was a There's... lot of moments where I think Scott Snyder was like, uh, f- fuck, how does this happen? Ah, fuck it. This just needs to be this way. They're going to make something up. And in general, like, that's what I call jazz music, baby. And... Brainiac must have implanted a failsafe. Why it went off now, who knows, because he died. So his failsafe was... A bunch of they get teleported in the tubes. I guess no, the failsafe was that he um, made it so all those Omega Celestials are gonna have to come here now. Right. So we have to do what he says, or these big bad super Celestials that are not Celestials because this is DC are gonna come to Earth and destroy our Earth. Yeah, they're the final host, actually. The final host Wait, of... Wait, no, that's not DC no, either. No, that's Avengers by Jason Aaron, <laughs> number two, that we're not going to talk about this week because it was not as good as this one. And they're basically the same book. Hey-o. Hey-o. <laughs> Jason Aaron, you're like one of my favorite writers, but you you and Scott are writing the same book right now. Sure What, is, are. what do these guys call these giants? Omega... Um, super... Titans. Super gods. Omega, Omega Titans? Titans? Something like that, yeah. Uh, ultimate uh, Annihilators. Is Brainiac 2.0 a character you know about? Yeah, tell us, Roman. Is that Legion of Superheroes? Uh, is that who shows up at the end? Yeah. Son of Brainiac. He's got yeah. blonde hair. Yeah, real Drox, which, oh my gosh, it's so confusing. Um, <laughs> the old, which apparently Roman now, just said a component of DC continuity <laughs> was very confusing. So everybody else better buckle up. <laughs> well, because I didn't, and I until this issue, I don't think any of us knew that Roll Drox still ex- exists again in the DC universe. Because in one of the after sometime after the crisis, there was a Legion, which I don't remember. It was an acronym. It stood for something. The son of Brainiac was kind of its leader, and he was a manipulator and user, but he was mostly a good guy. Um, What's that symbol on his shoulder? That a that, that's, actually, that's actually the Legion symbol, so I this, think. I wonder if Jonathan Hickman was going to be writing some DC stories, and it was going to be Legion of Superheroes, but those characters were under imprint, like not being able to be used right now. So that's why Jonathan Hickman is going back to Marvel, apparently, to write some Marvel books. And everyone thought because Doomsday Clock was using those characters, but this is the Legion character. Right, well, that's their symbol, but Legion stood for something different, but they weren't really related to Legion of Superheroes because that's still way in the future. Okay. Um, but but I think in the old continuity, they said that maybe this Legion had some inspiration because there's a Brainiac in Legion of Superheroes, but that's Brainiac 5. So he's oh, like geez. the, fifth, the sure. fifth iteration of Brainiac. Just Brainiac 2. Yeah, this is only two. Can I can I say one thing? Please. I, I really like the uh, the green outline on uh, Brainiac 2.0's speech bubbles mm-hmm. with the the lines that are like you know, know yeah. the like how Tony Stark used to talk and how like Vision talked. I think. How do you feel about the green font used for Loki in Avengers Two this week? Um, I thought it was a great clue that. Loki was yeah. Page involved. three, it was Loki, but your final page reveal was it was Loki, and you're like, thanks, I got that from the font. Yeah, you oh, see, I didn't get it from the font. You're the fucking <laughs> Roman guy. You're the fucking guy who's been reading all of this shit since they before wrote it we were for born. you. I know, I didn't get. I read. I tried to read too many comics at once. What and the I, I missed fuck, it. Roman? It's <laughs> Sunday. We usually do this on Wednesday. I know. I know. I've been working more hours. <laughs> That's true. You're welcome. <laughs> Which is great. Oh. But yeah, it confuses my little brain. So I guess that this book is coming out on this. Is it just Justice League versus Avengers right now? It is. Okay, so last week, who won? Avengers or Justice League? Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think I personally think Justice League won last week too. What about you, Roman? I, I thought Avengers won. 
I think that Justice League won last week. And this week, I think Justice League won. What do you guys think? This I, week, I thought Justice League I, won. I think I'm, I'm probably not going to stick with Avengers. I'm, I am going to continue with this, though. Okay. Um, it is insane how similar these stories are right now. All right. And I guess the difference between the two is that I like this art way more. Like, there's there's no way it's a coincidence, but it, it has to be. Like, how are these stories so similar? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I have my theories about it, and I want to almost talk about that at the end. Oh. Um, but the art is way better in this, and, like, it's just a little bit dumber. <laughs> like, the Avengers one is grounded so much. That, like, this is just sort of like, there is some weird shit that the writer is just like, uh, listen, if the audience wants to enjoy this, they're going to have to fucking accept that all of the Justice League on Earth are in tubes for some reason. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Moving on. Like, all right, cool. I can do that because I have jumped onto a lot of comic book stories. And if, if what you need is for that shit to be really clear... Maybe this isn't your story, but if what you want to do is sort of like vibe with it so you can pick up the story beats, like this book is for you. I will say this. Um, I would have liked a little more breathing room between metal and this. Like mm-hmm. metal was like a whole big shit. Oh no, everything's everything's gonna to die. We have to solve it. And like they they beat it and they like had a little dinner party in a band, and then immediately after the world is fucked again. And it's like, yeah. can we just breathe for a little bit? Yeah. I would love a three-month period of all of us just having champagne cocktails about feeling good that we mm. beat, beat metal. Yeah. 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 Forge that metal. So, Roman, were you supposed to say something? I was, but what were you going to say? Not as interesting as well, yours. Well, well, it's interesting because I actually like the art in Avengers better than this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, personally. Oh, yeah? And, you like your muscles uh, and your torn shoes? I do. I do. She-Hulk's all buffed out. Mm. Um. <laughs> yuck. And Nothing there's yuck about that, Brayden. Yuck <laughs> is the secret word for today. And there's some, and it's an, don't make him feel guilty about being attracted to big muscular I, green. I women. don't feel guilty about nothing. That's um, true. <laughs> he's just just grumpy. Brayden's trying to to get some humanity in me. And I yeah, just no, want to have a goof or two. I, I can guilt Jeff super easy, but Roman's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> Actually, Brayden can guilt guilt me real good. <laughs> I am intrigued mostly by. Team Mystery? Wait, is Team Mystery the magic users? Uh, sure. Starfire, uh, John, Superman. No, uh, I think Tree of Wonder is more magic. That's got I'll buy into that okay. shit when they give what, me a reason to, but what, they have not Wonder yet. is the one I'm most interested in so far because, you know, I don't dislike Lobo, but I don't care about him. And I hate modern Harley. And I have a problem with the voices of some of them, like mainly... Starro? Mainly Starro. I'm like, well, when did he develop a personality and become a jokester? Because yeah. before he was always this scary, um, brain-controlling alien presence that, you know, didn't hmm. think or speak barely in human terms. Now he's no just emotion. Like a giant muscular star you'd find in a back alley That's... trying to run a craps game or sell yeah, somebody. Yeah, he calls Martian like... Manhunter Marty, and I'm like, yeah, what, like... what is this? That's when interesting did... because I have... I'd, I've never met Starro until these comics. <laughs> he's uh, one and, of I, the, and I'm into he's it. He's the Justice League of America issue number one. He's on the cover. Yeah. But I like to think yeah. that, like, you know, he's been in the heads of trillions of people. Oh, like yeah. he can, And races. Yeah, he can develop all kinds of quirks and whatnots and yeah, personalities. Yeah, which, okay, but I want to I yeah, lead into that then. Sure. For me, it's pretty jarring. Well, just wait. We'll get a we'll get a, a, a New Age of Heroes Starro solo book yeah. soon enough. I, I guess I want more, a little more fleshing out. And, like, 
since I haven't been reading Titans in years, I was like, how come Gar is kind of back where he was in the 60s? Because I knew him as a character in Teen Titans, Marv Wolfman one, where he was very well-developed in his powers. He was very sure of himself, but still a jokester and everything. But he would always become big, giant monster, green monsters and stuff like this. I give this issue... Uh, uh, I would give it a 7.5, and I'm not using decimals, so I'm going to give it an 8. Well, um, why aren't you giving it decimals? Because if I was using decimals, every single book would be an 8, and I guess they're all still 8s anyway. So yeah, and we're trying to make things a little easier for Phil. Yeah, Phil's got that spreadsheet. spreadsheet. Spread's got the graphs. Excel, He's using Excel, Excel will add up the points. It's okay. No, it decimal. won't. You have to set the specifications on that. I'm not going to ask Phil to put special specifications into Microsoft Excel so that it's easier to make my gradings make sense. <laughs> I'm here for you, Philip. Um, I give it a seven. Uh, I'll give I'll give it a. I was going to give it a 6.5. I'll have to give it a 6. No time to give it a 6. You're on the clock for your buckshot, Roman. Go. Oh, my God. We're buckshots now. Holy crap. Um, Quicksilver, no surrenders. Quick. Number one. Silver. Quick. Silver. Uh, this is by, oh, geez. The guy at wrote Don't worry Black about Bolt. your credits. Get a book in. We'll okay. get it in. Black Bolt, the art by Nguyen is awesome. I love this. It's just Quicksilver at the end of No Surrender ended up basically stuck in, unstuck from time. So he's on Earth but everyone else is moving infinitesimally slow, so he's alone. He can't communicate with anybody. So he's running around the planet trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to exist like this and what to do. And there's just some great moments, some insights into Quicksilver's character. He has a sense of humor. At one point, he finds Magneto and uh, messes with him. He goes to a costume shop and dresses, dresses Magneto in a clown outfit. And then he does other silly stuff to people. But he's all alone. And then this thing shows up. It's basically an evil green version of him that he fights. This is a really interesting issue. I'm going to continue with this. Great art. Great writing. Guy wrote Black Bolt, so we know this is going to be an amazing series. Um, oh, man. What do I want to do next? Flavor number one. This was a cool book. Interesting. It's in this society where everything's based around cooking. There's these chefs that all compete. It's kind of got a fantasy element. The main character has a little dog that, like, talks and also helps her cook, which I think is kind of disgusting. But uh, this is intriguing. It's very cute. I think it's an all-ages book, perhaps. Guess we'll never know. Um, yeah, Saladin Ahmed. Uh, yeah. Who did, yeah, Black Bolt and Quicksilver. Um, I'm curious about that book. Yeah, in fact, that's the reason I, I read it. Cause, right, yeah, I, know, I probably would have skipped it. Yeah, I, I probably would have too. So I was like, I know Quicksilver's deal. I didn't really realize that it all took place sort of in those frozen moments of his perspective. That makes it super interesting to me. I actually yeah. would really so, like to read this. So, yeah, much like Black Bolt, he's alone, and he's got to figure out himself and how not to, how to get back to not being alone. And it's... it's yeah, when, when Squirrel Girl got... Uh, unstuck in time, she had a friend with her, and it was yeah. a lot sweeter and fun. Uh, yeah. This is all about contemplation and and dealing with yourself. Yeah. And, and the art looks like Andrea Sorrentino mixed with Bill Sienkiewicz. Like it's it's yeah, it's really. And the coloring is really interesting too. In it, the yeah. last the last page is pretty cool. Um, um, I would give it. Jeez, I give Quicksilver number no surrender number one. Ah oh, man, I would give it an eight, which really surprises me. I never thought I'd give a Quicksilver book that high of a score. Flavor, I will give a seven. I'm intrigued. I, I'll, I'll stick with it. Did you like this dog more or the Superman dog more? 
Oh, it's a tough call. The Superman dog is cuter and cuddlier. And this one knows how to wield a knife, so that could be terrifying. Oof. Gosh. <laughs> Woof indeed. And and look, he's chopping vegetables on the front and his tongue's like he's drooling on the on the on the celery. Little all right, Roman, you, you just had to hit that start button, and it'll be my turn. Okay, are you ready? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm all prepared, because I had to... Okay, yeah. well, let, let's go. Okay. Uh, issue 13 of The Wild Storm by Warren Ellis and John Davis Hunt with Steve Buccoletto. Um Gosh. This book is coming out, and it's been coming out for a year now, and... I really like the art, and I think that the artist has grown a lot in the 12 or 13 issues it's been since it's come out. There's elements of Frank Quietly, but they're also, like, a lot more amateurish at well, but, as well, but it's really nice to watch this artist evolve. His, his facial expressions, I would say, are the only complaint. I think it's sometimes that they're trying to convey a more complex emotion or subtle scene than he's able to do, but... Uh, the action scenes, the environments, and the costuming are are really, really well done. Um, also, like, the action sequences. He choreographs an action sequence better than just about anybody. Uh, Warren Ellis is doing the writing. Super wordy, super complex. I think we meet the wild cat that meets the big, like, metal, like, slappy strings, kind of like Omega Red, out of his body in this mm. issue. Um and that's really cool. I've liked uh, using the Michael Kreish story to sort of conc- concretize the idea that we're not in the DC universe, but like an evil version of it. This is just paranoia, conspiracy, agencies, government, huge meta story. It's a lot of work, but I really, really like it. And, it's, and the art is really, really gorgeous. Um, does not end on a super positive note. I still don't really know what's going on, but it's it's very good. And I give it... Uh, nine. <laughs> and, yeah. I was I was kind of not as into this issue. I don't know. It didn't grab me as much as the other ones have. I liked this more than the last, like, two or three. Really? This, yeah, it's, again, it's like a work comic. It's not a joy comic. It's no. a work comic. <laughs> and you have to sort of remember what you've read, and you have to be... I got excited about, like, I need to Google this guy, or I need to Google this guy. And Mm. I really like when a thing makes me need to work. Uh, We get so many comics, we get so much music, and we get so many movies. uh, I don't like just being an audience for something. I like, I like, I don't like when a thing comes, you know, fully packaged and served to me. I like when it's bigger and I feel dumb and I have to do work to appreciate it. And, Mm. And this does that. On every level, and the art's gorgeous. Like it, they can do whole pages without text, and you have this gorgeous ballet of battle and choreography. And then you have, yeah, pages of crazy text. Um, wh- what didn't you like as much about it? Well, I guess I don't know. Some like the the aliens are kind of coming out of the woodworks now, and it's kind of making things feel a little less human to me. Which... But it's the same aliens they introduced like four issues ago. All, all I remember was that uh, the one guy revealed that he was an alien. Yeah, and it's like the same aliens. Okay, I was and like, like same in the dark, like yeah, he inter- like he mm-hmm. exposed them in the dark, and they came forward. And now what we've learned is that those aliens are like hiding among like humans. Well, their or... DNA. Yeah, and there's a slew of people who voluntarily chose to allow that DNA to be brought into who they are to evolve them. Mm-hmm. But 
in reality, that DNA is a consciousness in and of itself. So right. now we have humans who are sharing their physical bodies with an alternative consciousness, and it's scary to them. Mm-hmm. Um, not trying to convince you any other way, but like, yeah, no, it, it's... it is confusing stuff. But I think that if we were to have all twenty-four issues to read in one sitting, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, the the second volume's coming out this week. I'm excited. I'm excited to sit back with all those and start fresh. I yeah, I guess that's my thing. Is I I also I really want to enjoy it, mm-hmm. and it would be I think an insurmountable amount of work if you did not want to understand. If you were, you know, if you if you didn't love being confused, it would it would be a pretty irresponsible comic on Warren Ellis's part. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about 90 Seconds All to Yourself? Braden Smith, get that going. Go! Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 27. This one had some great uh, Red Ranger action and a great Red Ranger cover, uh, but this event is still weighing pretty heavy on me, and I'm kind of just slogging through it. Um, we'll, we'll see where it ends up, but hoof. Read uh, Mighty Thor number one, the gates of in, at the gates of Valhalla. I only read the first half because it was uh, drawn by uh, Jan Bartel, who I really like, and it was really cool about the goddesses of thunders, Thor's uh, granddaughters from the future, um, and that was really fun. Quicksilver No Surrender. I also read. Um, I don't think I liked it quite as much as Roman, but I'm intrigued enough. I'm definitely going to read more, and I trust that author enough to make something cool out of it. All New Wolverine, number 35. This is the last issue. It was pretty fun, and a lot of heroes I didn't expect to see showed up, and it was kind of a nice send-off to this this character, uh, Tom Taylor's kind of uh, interpretation of X-23, Laura. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been a fun ride, but I'm excited to see what Marco Tamaki does with X-23 when that comes out. Uh, Steven Universe had an amazing cover. Fence was very good. Uh, Nick got a win, and that was very fun to watch. Oh, cool. uh, Dead Hand was okay. I'm still just getting hooked on the end of issue rather than the meat of it. Uh, Curse Words was fine. Crude was very good. There was a dong. And New Challengers <laughs> was pretty meh for me. I don't have any nostalgia for that. <clears throat> okay. Me too, yeah. New Challengers, me. So, can I get that stack? Because I've got some questions for you. Your one-word summaries make me want more. So, give me your <laughs> give me your whole stack. Here. I, I shuffled them all up before the the buckshot and uh, didn't look what the first I watched one was going to be. <laughs> it was fun. Um, was Shattered cool. Grid. It's it's just it's a little too long, right? It's it's a it's a big event, and I'm getting event fatigue from it. It's it feels like we're trying to milk this cool character that he came Dragon. up with for the first yeah. arc, and it's. Oof, but there are there's a lot of it leaves room for a lot of cool art. Stuff. Mighty Thor, you know that those the like the granddaughters of Thor that was all of an arc and Jason Aaron's. Yeah, Thor they, run. they 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 I know they showed up before. Did they have like a whole arc previously? Yeah, it's yeah. There's they appeared more than once and they're awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Quicksilver, uh, no surrender. That looks awesome. All new Wolverine. I also really liked. Um, what I like is that Tom Taylor like really redefined that character. Mm-hmm. Like change. Which, the direction of that character created Honey Badger, which I think really humanizes her. Yeah. The final couple pages of this issue were very yeah. poignant. And Colette has uh, uh, had some complaints that I think are valid about him kind of changing the character, which I think is fine, but he didn't really 
as far as I've read, hasn't really addressed that change happening. Like, yeah, like he put more human in her. Yeah, because before this, like all her incarnations were pretty, like feral. a pretty broken, traumatic person, and that from the get go of this series, she hasn't really been that. Um, do you like curse words? Um, not as much as I I liked it at first, but there's enough of a emotional hook with some of these characters. It's got some family drama that I'm interested in. And the father issues of Crude. How's that all? Um, it's still it's still hefty. Um, this one didn't hit quite as hard as the last one, but it's it's good. Um, Can anybody tell me about new challengers? They they die and then they become a game show and uh, if they try to not be on the game show, they they die for real. Okay. Yeah, and unlike in the old days, but the game show is saving the world or something. Yeah, there's there's been multitudes of people saved, escaped from death, that then served as challenges of the unknown, which we didn't know about before because we only knew about the previous four or five sometimes. Yeah, I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm just thinking about maybe skipping over any book that has more than one writer credited on it because mm. they always seem to be the most messy. Yeah. Yeah, and you know you can skip over more books, Braden. No, I, I have to do a podcast where I talk about all the new it books. It doesn't every do week, anybody so good to, to read just as read a as bunch of books you don't like. Yeah, but I get to do a big old buckshot with. That was very cool. That was very impressive. Like eleven, ten or eleven books. <laughs> One thing I've noticed with this challengers, I was like, man. So now every team, and at first it's it's kind of cool with some teams like. Like, I like the idea there's been Iron Fist throughout the millennia. Mm-hmm. But now that's the, that's the background of every team. Now Now that's the deal of Challengers of the Known. There's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them that we never knew about. It's like, come on, let's not do this for every single <laughs> comic. <laughs> yeah, I get that. It makes sense, like, with Iron Fist, because it's a mystical lineage, blah, 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 blah. The Challengers originally was just guys that escaped death. And now they're they're kind of like doing this adventuring because they have a new lease on life. Not that they're, but now they're part of a like secret society. This almost game show host, this game show thing with death thing. It's like, jeez, oh, <laughs> that takes away this kind of the uniqueness of it. I feel. Yeah, the, well, co- the cover is pretty cool when you fold it out, though. I didn't fold it out because I was afraid I'd damage it. <laughs> right. I'm Jeff, and I read comics because I really like them. I'm Roman. I, I also really like him. I think that's why I read him. <laughs> I'm Brayden, and I read comics because I have to do a podcast about them. Oh, <laughs> man. Maybe you should just quit. <laughs> it's not why you should do it. Well, it's, I'm just trying to make my friend happy. You know, he really likes it that I'm on here. And I'm... Django? No, it's Jeff. I'm making you feel guilty. Oh, I feel so guilty and grumpy. Mm. I hope that y'all liked Grump Guilt Cast. Now you're just goofing with one. us. This is a goof. I had a blast. I really liked Wildstorm. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked Batman. That fucking Batman book. Batman. Oh,